Welcome to Speak and Be Heard, the only radio show that you're listening to right now. I'm Adrian Silberman. I'm David Morrison. I'm TJ Peterson. And this is Speak and Be Heard. Welcome to the third episode. Today we're going to be talking about the epidemic that's apparently not killing us all. We're going to give a fair and unbiased opinion on Twilight. And we're going to talk about the latest music. TJ, I know you're scared. We're all scared. Okay, I'm not. I haven't been since April when this first came out. They said it was going to kill us all. Well, we're still here. The demographic of the people is generally scared, and they're trying to get this vaccine because it is one of the few things that can kill 18 to 34-year-olds out there. I just wanted to bring up that I've gotten a cold since the swine flu scare started, but no swine flu. So I don't... I'm not personally worrying about it. I know a lot of people think yeah. they're immune to, immune to the swine flu, but anyone can get it. Despite the fact that I don't feel like this is anything to be worried about, I'm still being forced by my parents to get the vaccine. Um, so do you feel that you should get the vaccine? It'll do, it won't do any harm, but it seems like a bit of a waste of time. What do you think the chances that you get swine flu are? It's very slim. How about you? The chances of getting swine flu, uh, I would say probably about the same as getting the actual flu. Of course, I am no doctor, I do not have a degree, so don't base your lifestyle regarding diseases on what I say, even though I'd be flattered. But the swine flu is, in my opinion, just like the regular flu. Hold up, we're getting a call. Joining us now via teleconference, the swine flu H1N1 himself. H1N1, anything to say? I think uh, Border Patrol's blocking its call. And he says he'll kill us all. All right. He just hung up. So, Adrian, anything to bring up? There are two different major vaccines out there. We have the nasal spray and the shot. Uh, which do you would you prefer? Well, honestly, there doesn't seem to be much difference. I'm not really well-educated on the subject, but it seems to me like, do you like needles or no? If you do like needles, go ahead. The shot's fine. If not, nasal spray. Basically, End story. Basically, if you use heroin, go with the shot. Lovely. So, anyways, we are at North Broward. Once you fill out uh, a lot of paperwork, you can get it for free here. So, if you are concerned, you can get the vaccine right here for free if you are concerned about the H1N1 flu. I just want to bring up that this is a lot like the avian flu scare a few years ago, and it seems to be like there's a cycle where every few years some sort of new disease scares everyone. Not like AIDS style, but like... From some a new really, type of flu. From some like bizarre animal. Next year we're going to have the camel flu. And of course, let's not forget Kermit flu. But doesn't he already have swine flu from his piggy? Yeah. Who knows? on to our main topic, Twilight. Love it or hate it, not a day goes by where you don't hear about it. The series has been incredibly successful lately. All the books have been selling well, pretty much keeping the publishing industry alive at this point. Yeah. And 
the movies are also doing very well with the latest one coming out Friday. This, week. this Friday. It's indisputable that Twilight is incredibly popular, but why? Well, let's go over the basics of the Twilight story. Let's just sum it up. Girl moves to new town. Girl meets boy. Boy is antisocial vampire. Boy and girl, for some reason, fall in love. And then a clan of rival vampires tries to kill them both. And let's not forget the werewolves. And the baseball. For no reason, pops up in the middle of the movie. It's a very strange storyline, which can appeal to some more fantastic-seeking, you know, sort of antisocial people who are looking for something different from a typical, like, teen novel. Yeah, what better movie to make people socialize than a movie about an antisocial vampire? Gets all the antisocials together to socialize. That's actually the first episode I've ever seen about Twilight. Plus, a lot of people find themselves in love with the main vampire character, Edward. Yeah, people say they're in love with Robert Patterson, the leading actor. I don't think they're in love with him. I just think they're in love with the idea of the character he plays. Well, that brings up another point of why it's incredibly popular, the sex appeal of the movies. Because the two actors, Taylor Lautner and Robert Pattinson, who play the main male characters, are obviously very appealing to like young girls because, oh my god, they're hot! Robert Patterson, uh, a lot of people think he plays a good vampire. You know, I think the Count from Sesame Street is a better vampire than any of those Twilight characters. One, two, three hundred million dollars. Ah, ah, ah. Well, anyway, moving on to another really big reason of Twilight's success is its popularity among groups because people can find a relatable, like a common ground on that they both like Twilight and they will get like excited and they'll make plans to do something Twilight related. Maybe they'll have a big group of friends to go see the new movie. On a similar note, you said that maybe there were girls that were more on the fence about the whole Twilight phenomenon, but then they see their friends getting into it and like, sure, let's, let's try it, it'll be fun, and then they get caught up in the craze. Like, it becomes an entire event. It does, for every day that there's a Twilight-related piece of news, especially. Oh my god, oh my god, we're six months away from the new Twilight movie, I'm so excited. <laughs> we can obviously see it's very popular among teenage girls, but there seems to be a similar sort of embrace but in the opposite direction among teenage boys who seem to like universally hate it and it's become kind of like an immature thing like males promote their masculinity every time that they say that they like hate something twilight related it makes them kind of feel better about themselves it doesn't really matter from their standpoint because obviously stephanie meyer's not writing to win over some 17 year old high school football player you mentioned football i just think that each new twilight movie is like the super bowl for girls well, I don't think it's really like the Super Bowl, but it's more like... Uh, it's the annual event that they really love and treat with such high anticipation. Not even annual anymore. The next movie, Eclipse, is coming out in June? Yeah, June next year. They're, they're making these movies faster than rabbits reproduce. They're pumping them out so quickly that you might be wondering, are they trying to cash in on this fad as much as they can? Thoughts? Uh, yeah, they want to cash in on this before Twilight runs its course, but, you know, the main character is supposed to be immortal, so they want to film these before the actor grows so much. Well, you know, oversaturation could end up killing the series early on. Well, I mean, Harry Potter had a lot of, like, overexposure. I mean, it got tiring seeing every news broadcast around the time that a book or a movie came out like the new Harry Potter movie or the new Harry Potter book what's going to happen there's big spoil everybody remembers the big spoiler when the big spoiler happened true but uh, Harry Potter movies and books well books are done but the movies came out like once every two years these Twilight it's three movies in like a, a year and a half period or something like that that's over which brings up the question can Twilight last as long as Harry Potter 
Well, first of all, there's a lot more source material that the Harry Potter series has, more books. And then also, Warner Brothers got smart. They made Harry Potter more of a slow-burning thing instead of just an instantaneous phenomenon. You see that at first they came out every year, the movies, but then later on, Warner Brothers gave the everyone time to make a better quality product. You're right, Warner Brothers were smart with the Harry Potter slow burning. By releasing the movies now every year and a half to two years, it allows more time for a better quality picture and allows anticipation to build up more. But can we see Twilight doing that in the near future, or are they going to try to build up on all this um, anticipation and this like huge fad that's going on right now? They're cashing in now. They are just getting all the money they can at the moment. You could also argue because since the movie targets mainly teenage girls and teenagers are really fickle in their tastes, I'm sure, as teenagers you know. Mm -hmm. So they would want to take care of this before, let's say, something new pops up. That's a key difference between Twilight and Harry Potter. Twilight appeals to just those teen girls. Harry Potter, anyone can pick it up and enjoy it. I know that some is trying a little bit to appeal to people outside of girls, but it doesn't seem to be working out. Well, I would say the difference between Twilight and Harry Potter is Harry Potter more appealed to children as well. So, I don't think Twilight's going to be as big as Harry Potter, but it is big and it will be big. What do you guys think the future of Twilight is? Well, it could go, obviously, the way of like most fads that just keep their appeal for one or two years, and the kids of the future will be thinking when their parents tell them about Twilight. What's Twilight? And they will have no idea, but obviously Harry Potter will have such a long-lasting impression on society that we'll be talking about that, and our little grandparents will be like, well, I was your age, I walked nine miles in the snow to go see the new Harry Potter movie, and I liked it! One thing about Harry Potter as compared to Twilight, Harry Potter is timeless. Not a lot of people don't know this, but Harry Potter actually takes place in uh, the mid-1990s. But, um... It doesn't have any technology or stuff we use. It's in a completely different world, making it timeless. Well, I think the one thing that kept Harry Potter alive for so many years is that the children that were big fans of the series when it first came out, like people who were seven or eight, and they were reading the first few books, they could grow up with the series. As it progressed and they progressed, they could continue reading it and it would still maintain its appeal. I'm not sure if Twilight's going to have that same lasting appeal. I've been, like at least reading the Harry Potter books since like early on in elementary school and although I don't love it nearly as much now I still like it. I think there's only one real certainty in Twilight's future and that it's New Moon which is coming out tomorrow, we're recording this on a Thursday, is gonna make a crap load of money. Alright. Okay, uh, that was a good discussion. Closing comments? Um, yeah. Don't go see New Moon. Everyone wear Team Edward shirts. Hope to see you there, 11.30. <laughs> I just have one final question. Can vampires get swine flu? I know what you have. Say it. Say it out loud. Swine flu. Music is a giant influence for all of us, and with the fall comes a lot of new entertainment options. Today, we're reviewing the latest in music. What were your first thoughts when you heard that Michael Jackson died? AEG was thinking that they were out on a great investment, and Sony was thinking that this would be a good cash cow opportunity. The two organizations put their resources together, and from that came This Is It, the musical documentary movie 
about uh, Michael Jackson's planned This Is It concert tour in London, England. This movie shows what could have been and what should have been, providing Michael Jackson didn't die. There were a lot of rumors that his concert uh, was not planning out, that he was not preparing right, but this movie shows the opposite. Michael Jackson was preparing hard. He was putting his heart and soul into this, the This Is It concert, which were supposedly his last concerts ever. But I'm supposed to be reviewing a music movie, not a planned concert tour. So how did the movie come out? Well, it was good. It showed Michael Jackson. He's not in his prime, but you know what? He can still dance and he can still sing. A forewarning, though, he was saving his voice for the actual concerts. The movie is about the rehearsal footage, not the actual concerts, because those obviously never panned out. He admitted in the movie he was saving his voice, so don't see, expect to see Michael Jackson going at it 100%, but this is nevertheless Michael Jackson, the king of pop. Many of Michael Jackson's favorite songs uh, are in the movie, everything from Thriller to Beat It to uh, everything else, pretty much. There are no new tunes. Um, there was not supposed to be any new tunes. But still, if you want to see Michael Jackson singing and dancing, this is a good movie. If you're not a Michael Jackson fan, though, don't expect this movie to turn you into one. It uh, might feel like a little bit, might be like you're watching a little bit of history. After all, this is uh, one of the most influential artists ever. Uh, so all, this movie all really depends on if you liked Michael Jackson or not. I obviously was not alive when he was in his prime, um, but I still enjoyed the movie. It was a really good experience. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. Do you like Chaos, Nirvana, or the Foo Fighters? How about Queens of the Stone Age? Perhaps you prefer a ride on the good ship Led Zeppelin. If you like any of those bands, there's a band you should probably check out called Dumb Crooked Vultures. This supergroup features members from all of those groups. Josh Holm, guitarist and singer for Queens of the Stone Age, teamed up with Nirvana drummer and Foo Fighters guitarist and singer Dave Grohl, and of course, Led Zeppelin bassist John Paul Jones to transmogrify into Dumb Crooked Vultures. At first glance, the album is almost deceptively straightforward. Opener, No One Loves Me and Neither Do I, is arguably the strongest song of the album, with the next two tracks being the singles Mind Eraser, No Chaser, and New Fang. By this point, the group gives off a general vibe of what would happen if all these members were actually playing for an Arctic Bunkies that wants to play Stoner Rock, of all things. Later on, however, the album makes a few left turns, such as on the fittingly named Interlude with Ludes, hinting at some great potential to be something more than just a soundtrack to smoky bars across the country. Of all the bands, Queens of the Stone Age's influence is most heard here, and while the other band's influences are certainly present, they mainly take more of a background role. With all these groups' different DNA in one place, Denkrug and Vultures has a massive reputation to live up to, and in that sense it fails miserably. The songs really try to go past their energetic, slow-moving roots and become something truly great, and the small bits of experimentation serve more as tantalizing bits of what all this talent can do when trapped in one studio. Although there's nothing wrong with the album, what it does, it does very well. One can only hope that the second album meets more of the group's promise. Nevertheless, I give this album a 7.5 out of 10, and suggest you pick it out when it comes out November 17th through Interscope Records, before you chat on your record. Ratitude by Weezer. 
Music critics will agree that Weezer's career went downhill as soon as they released their highly anticipated third effort, The Green Album, after having released two very well-acclaimed albums in The Blue Album and Pinkerton. Still, fans of the band have held on through some pretty tough times like the huge hit for all the wrong reasons Beverly Hills from their awful fifth album, Make Believe. And there's no return to form on the ever-expanding band's seventh album, appropriately titled Ratitude. It starts off promising enough. If you're wondering if I Want You To is a good single with a catchy rhythm and a big hook, enough to place it as one of the best on the Green album, which was Weezer's best post-Pinkerton work. I'm Your Daddy could be a Katy Perry song. Can't Stop Parting is the seriously what moment of the album, featuring a verse from Now In Jail, Little Wayne. But the song is so awful that Weezy's part on the song only makes it better. It's amazing to see Kumo, a Harvard graduate, literally lyrically defy anything his degree could imply. His lyrics literally include the words posse, homies, and the phrase let it all hang out. No death that was ever found on the band's first two albums can be found here. Longtime fans of understanding of the band's transformation won't be too disappointed. There are some good pop tunes on here. Anybody looking for Pinkerton Part 2, best look elsewhere. Overall, I'd give it a 6 out of 10. show and you know what that means it's time for our top five this week's category things we are thankful for this thanksgiving number five not being sued by record labels number four five 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 dollar five dollar foot long number three our law firm of dewey cheatham and Howe. number two movies edited for tv enough is enough I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday play! And number one, of course, would be our friends and family. And our listeners, you three listeners, are the only reason we're on the air. We love you guys. Don't desert us. Well, that's all the time our budget will allow us to speak for. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time for our holiday episode. I'm Adrian Silverman. I'm David Morrison. I'm Peterson. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Another thing you should be thankful for this particular holiday is the great music you hear on Speaking Be Heard. This week's selection is a especially large smorgasbord board for you. We've got, starting off the show was I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor by the Arctic Monkeys, then Everything Is Alright by Motion City Soundtrack. The dramatic orchestral music you heard was from the great battle Friends Forever off the soundtrack to the now obscure animated Disney movie The Emperor's New Groove. Then is Supermassive Black Hole by Muse, Billie Jean by Who Else? Michael Jackson, Mind Eraser No Chaser by Them Crooked Vultures, If You're Wondering If I Want You To, I Want You To by Weezer, The Little Scream during the top five was courtesy of Roger Daltrey and his band The Who on the song Won't Get Fooled Again, The Little Movie Quote was of course from Snakes on a Plane But, the TV edit, check it out for hilarity. And finally, the ending was Wolves at Night by Manchester Orchestra. I swear I did what I could for your rights. So you swear you did what you could for my eyes. And I'll try nothing, try something, try